Good morning. As Paul says, I'm carrying on our series about learn love. And I want to talk to you this morning about next level love. And I don't know about you, but sometimes we love people, but then we have to find a next level of love for people. They may be your husband or your wife. They may be your children. They may be people that you work with. But as you get to know people more and more, we find things that, actually, I don't like that about you. I don't like the fact that you do that. And we get to know them more and we need sometimes more love for those people. But this morning, I especially want to talk to you about loving your enemies. Well, who is my enemy? And I think this is where this part of the Bible catches us out because we think, I haven't got any enemies. These are some people who might be your enemy. Somebody who has hurt or harmed you. That one's pretty obvious. Somebody who has accused you of doing something that you may or may not have done. Someone you don't like. Anyone got someone they don't like? Come on, let's be honest. There must be someone in your life that you think, good boy, Isaac has been honest. I think he's the only one in the room who's been honest that there is someone that I don't like. There's certainly people I don't like very much. Anyone else? They are your enemies. God tells us to love them. If you're sitting there saying, I I like everybody, you are a liar. (laughs) We'll deal with that another week. Somebody that you disagree with. Some of you may may have sat yesterday and thought, I don't agree with having a king. Some of you may agree with having a king. You could be enemies with those people. Someone who you are two-faced about. I love you, you're wonderful. I think you're fantastic. I must do my head in. Anyone? Someone who puts cream and jam the wrong way on a scone. It is a thing, Faith, isn't it? I aren't even from Cornwall and I know it's a thing. There are things that wind us up to the ninth degree of ridiculousness. And those people are in fact our enemies. Because when you feel it rising inside of you, and you think, why do you behave like that? Why do you put milk in after the tea bag? Why do you put the tea bag in with the milk? I'd love to do that for you and wind you up. Why do you not keep everything really straight on the counter in the cafe? And someone comes and messes it up. One of my daughters in her workplace set all the gins up in a certain order so you could see which flavour they were and when she went back the next week was highly annoyed that they were no longer like that. These people can become our enemies because we are so cross and frustrated and angry with them. But because they're not an enemy on a war front, we don't actually recognize that we have enemies in our lives. So we don't actually recognize that we need to deal with this and do something different and be something different to those people. 
So if you can recognise that these people who do my head in or who frustrate me who all do things differently than I do or do church differently than I do or praise God differently than I do and I don't actually like it or agree with it can actually become our enemies. When we recognise that and acknowledge that then God can begin to do a work in our lives. Matthew 5, 43 to 48. This is Jesus talking and he says this. You have heard it said, love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. I think that's really challenging. You know, God lets the sun rise and fall on those who do good and those who do bad. On those that we would say are the worst in society and those that we would say are the best in society. God allows the sun to rise and fall. God allows the rain to rain on us all. He doesn't say, right, that person, you see them old cartoons where there's just a rain cloud over some people. God does not treat us like that. There is not a rain cloud over you because of the evil things that you have done. There is not a rain cloud over the prison up the road because God allows the sun to rise and fall on us all because he loves those who are his enemies. He loves those who do wrong things and he calls us to do the same. How odd's that? Anyone else? So I've got a few thoughts for you to try and help us today. And if you're sitting here thinking, I know exactly who my enemy is and I don't really want to sit and listen to your message, God's brought you today because he wants to help you and heal you. He really has. So the first thing I wanted to say to you is this. Love's inward transformation. When we struggle to show outward displays of love, and this is to anyone, not just our enemies. When we struggle to show an outward display of love, there must first be an inward transformation. And that inward transformation can only come by experiencing and knowing the love of God in a bigger and better way. By knowing that you are forgiven, that I am forgiven for the things I've done wrong. Anyone else not perfect in here? I'm certainly far from perfect. As many of you can probably testify, because I'm sure at one point or another, I have upset you or offended you, and I apologize. It was probably not intentional. <laughs> Might have been, though. Not one of us is perfect. But we need God's love to help us, to grow us, to change us. I know I certainly do. We need, there must first be an inward transformation. If you can't love someone who is against you, I believe that the problem is inside of you. 
Sometimes and so often we like to say, well, if they would stop behaving like that, if they didn't speak to me like that, if they didn't do the things that they did, if they didn't hurt me in the way they had. And yes, for some of you, some people have truly hurt and damaged you and it has been wrong. Don't hear me wrong this morning. Some things that some people have done to you in your life has been completely wrong. But that does not mean that you are not able to love and forgive them. Does that mean that you allow them back into your life and give them authority and a voice to speak? Possibly not. It is really important you understand that you can love and forgive but still keep healthy boundaries in place so that people who are not good for you and people who will hurt you are no longer given access to you. There is a complete difference. Loving someone and forgiving someone doesn't mean that you have to be their best friend. Doesn't mean that they are then allowed to speak into you and have access to do the same again. This is about what is going on inside of you and how you work through and deal with that inner healing in the outer expression of what you do. So how do we do this? How do we have this love's inner transformation? I believe it comes from 1 John 4:19, where it says, we love because he first loved us. If you want to know how to love someone who has hurt you, if you want to know how to love someone who has a prejudice against you, if you want to know how to love someone who talks behind your back, if you want to know how to love someone who is not kind to you, the way to do it is to allow more of God's love into you. It's the only way. Human love runs out. Human love has its limits. It does. Ask any mother with a young child who will not sleep. Human love has its limits. It does. So what do we need? We need more of God's love. Now, some of us are better at loving than others. Some of us find it difficult because of our past, because of how we are, because of whatever reason. But what we need is more of his love. We love because he first loved us. And love is a motivator and an energizer that recreates and restores. 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, love does not boast, love does not think wrong. Go and read it. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. When you don't see the best in somebody, when you only want to pick at their worst, you need more love. And they may not be your enemy that you're going to go to fisticuffs over them, but if you want to judge them and put them down and pick at them, then you need more love in your life. I need more love in my life. This is next level love. This is love that only God can give us. This is not something that we can work up or work out. This is love that only comes in and through God loving us and us living out his example. And that's why it said in verse 44, sorry, verse 45, that you may be children of your father in heaven. It's an inheritance. Loving your enemy is an inheritance that comes from your father in heaven because you are his children outworking his will on this earth. 
It is not a natural thing that we would do that, but it is part of our inheritance of who he is calling us to be. So when you think, I just can't love this anymore. I can't love this situation. I can't love this person. Hear me right. Put the boundaries in. Do the things you need to do. It is necessary and important sometimes. Don't go away feeling judged and condemned if you've done that. But there's still a way that you can love and forgive if you allow more of God's love into your life. And Psalm 89 talks about God's love lasts forever. I don't know if you're doing the Bible reading plan that we started as a church. That was today's scripture, that God's love lasts forever. I believe that as love transforms us, we can show kindness in the face of opposition and judgment. And it doesn't mean you don't put your boundaries in. It doesn't mean you don't put things in to protect yourself where needed, but you can still be kind about it. You can still show love in and through it. And sometimes you just need to get over yourself and be nice to people that really winds you up and do your head in. You've just got to love him. You've got to see the best in him. You've got to look for the best in him. Look for the best in me. It's there somewhere. Probably hidden away a bit, but there you go. You know, psychological studies show this, that letting go of grudges and bitterness make way for happiness, health, and peace. So apparently, if you let go of these things, you will have healthier relationships, you will have greater spiritual and psychological well-being, you will have less anxiety, stress, and fewer symptoms of depression and hostility, you will have improved health, a stronger immune system, healthier heart, and lower blood pressure, I can understand that one, and you will have higher self-esteem. And that's all through letting go of grudges and bitterness. And they've studied that. It is a fact. I'm not just making it up and saying it will do you good. Scientists and psychologists have studied it. It will do you good to let go of grudges and to not hold things against people. I believe the benefits of love and forgiveness are that you will be happier, that you could actually change someone else's life, that you set a good example for others by how you live. And that we create a better society because of it. You know, very often it's a test of us as a person. But the most amazing thing, and Martin Luther King said it, is you could actually make a friend. Martin Luther King Jr. said this. Love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. And I believe that is the love that Jesus gives us. When people hurt us, when people stand against us, when people say, I don't like you, when people say you are not enough, that loving them, being kind to them, going above and beyond, and only with God's help can we do that, but actually people can be transformed in their opinions and in what they think and believe too. Love turns anger to peace, prejudice to patience, fear to blessed assurance, and disgust to unity. And only love can do it. Only love can do it. So I want to pray for you. You know, if you want some more love in your life, we're just going to pray. So just hold your hands out. Father God, we thank you for the amazing love that Jesus showed coming to earth and dying on a cross and forgiving his enemies as he hung there and died. God, I pray this morning, more love, more power, more of you in our lives. 
Come Holy Spirit, equip us, fill us, more of your love. Let us see people with your eyes, not with our eyes. Let us see people with your love, not with our limited love. More of you, God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And that's going to be my daily prayer. More of your love, God. More of your power. More of you in my life. And that will bring, I believe, love's inward transformation. As God transforms us with his love. So we can go and transform the world. And you could say that's enough and sit down, but I'm going to carry on. Are you ready for it? So then goes on and talks about forgiving people. Matthew 6, 15 says this, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Don't like that one very much, anyone else? So it is important and necessary to forgive other people so that God forgives us. And it's not because God says, if you don't do that, I'm not going to do that. But spiritually, it causes a blockage. This is not about God being mean and God saying, you do as you're told or you're not having a piece of cake. It's not about that. God's forgiveness is there. God's love is there. He has done it all. But what happens is when we choose to sit in unforgiveness, when we choose to sit in bitterness and anger and hatred and judgment, then what it does is it puts a spiritual ceiling above us that blocks us from God. It is nothing to do with God, it's to do with us. So this is why Jesus says this, you must forgive so that you can be forgiven. Can I just say this? Forgiveness is a journey. Forgiveness does not happen overnight. Many of you have heard me say this before. I don't believe that forgiveness is an emotion. Forgiveness is a decision. But with that decision, there are lots of emotions. There is anger and hurt and pain and frustration. There is a lot of stuff going on. And sometimes we think, oh, I've come past that now, only to suddenly realize, why is this getting at me again? Why do I feel like I don't forgive them again when I forgave them before and I felt great? It's about going deeper in other levels of forgiveness sometimes. And sometimes God will only do what we can cope with and manage in the season. But forgiveness takes time. Forgiveness is a journey. Don't judge yourself. Don't be hard on yourself. But be willing and open to say, God, I want to choose to forgive again. God, I want to work through my emotions. God, help me. But forgiveness, I believe, is a choice. For me, the best prayer that you can pray is, God, I choose to forgive whatever the person's name is, whatever the situation, help me work through my emotions. And that's it. It is a choice you make. The journey of it is far from that simple. The journey of it takes time. But the choice and act of forgiveness is the start of that. And you will not feel like forgiving sometimes, but when we know it is the thing to do, can I encourage you? Take a moment now and say this with me. Because I'm sure each one of you have probably got something or someone who you think, I'm still holding something. Or I've never actually let this go. So let's pray it together in your heart and you fill in the gap. 
God, I choose to forgive. Help me work through my emotions. Amen. Jesus did, I believe, what he saw the Father doing. That's what he talks about. I only do what I see the Father doing. So if this is what the Father does, when he hung on the cross and died, he said, Father, forgive them. They know what, not what they do. So in the same way, if we are God's children, he is calling us to say, God, I choose to forgive them for what they're doing to me. William Blake says this, the glory of Christianity is to conquer by forgiveness. I want to encourage you. You can conquer this issue in your life, this past hurt, whatever it is, you can conquer it by forgiveness. And forgiveness is a choice. Everything else that goes with it takes time and is a journey. And sometimes it comes back around. But forgiveness is a choice that we make. Some of you have heard me um, use this story before, but I'll just like it that much. I'm going to use it again. Um, if you want to put the quote up for me, Harry, with the little picture on, that'd be great. This is Jim and Elizabeth Elliot. Some of you may have heard of them. They were married, and he and she were missionaries. And I'm going to read to you a quote, which is up there, that Elizabeth wrote. And she said, I went to... Ecuador, Jim Elliott, who I had met at Wheaton, also entered tribal areas with the, I don't even know how you say it, Indians. In 1953, we were married in the city of Quito and continued our work together. Jim had always hoped to have the opportunity to enter the territory of an unreached tribe. The Orcas were in that category, a fierce group whom no one had succeeded in meeting without being killed. After the discovery of their whereabouts, Jim and four other missionaries entered, or entered Orca territory. After a friendly contact with three of the tribe, they were speared to death. Our daughter Valerie was 10 months old when Jim was killed. I continued working with the Quinta Indians when, through a remarkable providence, I met two Orca women who lived with me for one year. They were the key to my going to live with the tribe that had killed the five missionaries. I remained there for two years. So the tribe that had killed her husband and other missionaries who I'm sure she knew, she then was able to go and live and work with them and share the good news of Jesus. How did she do it? It was the love of God. She knew the forgiveness that she had through Jesus and she was able to pass that on to those who needed it just as much as she did. So how do we journey to this place where forgiveness shapes our lives, our attitudes, our behaviours, so that it glorifies God, so that it's a witness, an evangelistic tool, just like it was for Elizabeth Elliot? I believe there are three things we need to understand about forgiveness. The first one is this. Forgiveness is an expense already paid. Jesus has paid the price for it. Jesus has done it. You are forgiven. And if you fully grasp the depth that you are forgiven, then it will be easy to forgive others. If you recognize and realize your own sin, then we recognize that forgiveness is an expense already paid. The second is this, forgiveness is without boundaries. Forgiveness isn't stopped because of death. 
because of separation and like I said because of putting healthy boundaries in we can still forgive we can still choose to forgive even if the person that we need to forgive has maybe passed away even if the person we need to forgive it's not right or healthy for us to be in relationship with them even if we're separated from them for some reason we can still make a choice to forgive beyond those boundaries and the last one forgiveness liberates us to our future if we choose not to forgive I believe we stay captive to the past we're held captive by situations or we're held in relationship with a person whether we choose to be or not and forgiveness holds us forgiveness is those chains that holds us in those places can I encourage you if you want to move away from your past if you want to move away from a situation if you want to break free from an unhealthy relationship, forgiveness is the thing that will break those chains. You know, sometimes pride can prevent us from forgiving. And unforgiveness imprisons us in bitterness and resentment. Andy Stanley says this. In the shadow of my hurt, forgiveness feels like a decision to reward my enemy. But in the shadow of the cross, forgiveness is merely a gift from one undeserving soul to another. And so often our hurt and our pride hold us in a place where we don't want to let go because we don't want to let them think it's okay. It's not even about that. It's about it being okay for you. And it's about you being set free from the hurt and the pain that holds you. Ephesians 4:32 says this, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. So, how do we grow in loving those that we struggle with? I've got seven points for you this morning. I'm going to whistle my way through them. Are you ready? Are you okay? Are you coping? Happy coronation weekend. <laughs> Number one, ask God to help change your heart and forgive. Number two, take wisdom from others who will challenge your attitude, your behavior, and your words. If you're doing something behind closed doors, that suggests to me that there's something not right about it. Bring it into the light and allow people to speak into you and correct you where you're wrong. You know, if your friends don't call you out when you're talking about people behind the back, they're not really friends. Number three, stop, breathe, detach yourself. Sometimes when we find ourselves in situations where people constantly and constantly and constantly hurt or cause damage to us, it's really difficult. And that's why we need to stop sometimes. We need to take a breath and we need to detach ourselves from those situations. Number four, put yourself in their shoes. Try it and understand other people. Sometimes people aren't your enemy because they've hurt you or done something. They're just different. We're all different. They're not the same as you are. They don't do things or think the same way you do. Put yourself in their shoes. How would you feel if that was you? How would you behave if that was you? And if you think, well, I don't know, that's never happened to me. Well, shut up then. 
Number five, find something to love. See them as yourself or a loved one, something to love. When you look at people and you think, I just don't like that person, there must be something about them that you can love. If nothing else, God made that person and God loves them. Is that not enough? Find some common ground. Reach out to them. Actually find out what they're interested in or what they like. Number seven, forgive and let go of the past. I want to encourage you, open your heart. You know, it's so challenging. and something that I suppose we can only do with practice. Open your heart a little bit. Find that there's some love in there for that person. God calls us to love our enemies. But we have to work through forgiveness first, I think, sometimes too. And the last thing I want to say to you this morning is a prayer of blessing. I want to read to you from Matthew 5, 43 to 48 again. And I'm going to read from the message this time. And it says this. You're familiar with the old written law, love your friend as its unwritten companion, hate your enemy. I'm challenging that. I'm telling you to love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer. For then you are working out your true selves, your God-created selves. This is what God does. He gives his best, the sun to warm and the rain to nourish, to everyone regardless, the good and the bad, the nice and the nasty. If all you do is love the lovable, do you expect a bonus? Anybody can do that. If you simply say hello to those who greet you, do you expect a medal? Any run-of-the-mill sinner does that. In a word, what I'm saying is, grow up. Your kingdom subjects, now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously towards others, the way God lives towards you. This morning, I want to say to you that you are children of God. And he is calling you to walk out and work out his love on this earth. And that's not just with people that we like. But that's with people who we find difficult. That's with people who hurt us. That's with people who we don't like. God is calling us to love them and show his love to them. You may be the only thing that stands between them and them going to hell. If you choose to love them and be something different to them. So what do we do? I believe the greatest way that we can do this is pray a prayer of blessing over people. You said, God, I choose to forgive them. Help me work through my emotions. You've said, God, fill me with more of your love. So on a daily basis, what do we do? How do we do it? How do we outwork it? How do we break the cycle? How do we get rid of the, the heavens of brass and have an open heaven over our lives and our relationship? says when someone gives you a hard time respond with the energies of prayer for then you are working out your true selves your God created selves I believe God's calling us to pray for our enemies to pray for those who've hurt us 
to pray for those who we don't like, to pray for those who frustrate us and annoy us, to pray for those who we think, oh, I wish they wouldn't behave like that. Well, if you wish they wouldn't, pray for them. If you wish they wouldn't say or do that, pray for them. If you wish they wouldn't treat you like that, pray for them. Because God knows they need it more. It's about going from glory to glory. It's about having more of his love in our lives. God doesn't have favourites. He doesn't shower his blessings on some but not others. Don't do the same. Love people. Pray for people. Encourage people. Those you approve of or not, love them. Pray for them. You know, there have been times in my life where I've had difficult relationships, where I've been betrayed, where I've been used and abused, where I've been two-timed, where I've been talked about and it's been lies, where I've been judged. And it hurts. It hurts. And if you're anything like me, I want people to think I'm nice. And that's generally because I don't think I'm very nice myself. Well, that's another thing. But I want people to like me. Are we not all the same? Don't we want people to like us? Don't we want people to think they're a nice person? Don't we want people to think, oh, they are kind? Don't we want people to think that? And yet when people say suddenly, I don't want you anymore. I don't love you anymore. I don't need you anymore. Have you seen what that person's doing? When people talk about us and say things about us, it's it's heartbreaking and you know the only surefire way that I've found to work through it and deal with it so that it doesn't create a hold on me that keeps me from accessing loving people again that keeps me from access to the Father is to pray for those people and do you know what I pray? I pray what I want for myself so when I want to be loved I pray that they would be loved When I wish they'd say nice things about me, I pray that people would say nice things about them. And you know what? It's hard. It's not a pretty prayer. It's not all a holy as thou prayer. It's like, oh God, I pray that you would bless their relationships even though they don't want one with me. God, I pray that you would fill them with love even though they don't love me. God, I pray that they would not be judged for the things they do wrong even though they judge me. God, I pray that people would say good things about them, even though they say lies and bad things about me. They're not pretty prayers, but they're the prayers that change our lives. And they're the prayers that change their lives too. I believe that when we pray a prayer of blessing over people, that not only do we create a different future for them, but most importantly, we create a different future for ourselves that is no longer steeped in hurt and pain, that is no longer steeped in unforgiveness, that is no longer steeped in in hurt, but is actually opening a door to more of God's love, to more of his power, and to more of him in our lives. Come on, let's stand. We're gonna pray together. I just want you to think of someone in your heart someone that's maybe hurt you someone that's maybe hurt you
someone that maybe frustrates you someone that maybe puts the jam and cream on the scone the wrong way whatever it is and we're going to pray a prayer of blessing over them and I want you to say amen it may not be a pretty amen that's okay but I believe it is an amen that will set you free Father God you know the people that we hold in our hearts God you see all and you know all and God this morning we thank you for the example of Jesus and forgiveness that he showed on the cross we thank you for the prayers that he prayed for all people and God this morning we choose to pray a prayer of blessing over those that we're thinking of God we pray that you would bless them bless them in their relationships bless them in their circumstances bless them in everything that they do God we pray that they would do well God we pray that they would achieve God we pray that they would break through God we pray that you would give them abundantly it hurts don't it but God we pray that you would God, blessing upon blessing upon blessing. God, everything we're believing and hoping for ourselves, we believe and hope for those that we hold in our hearts right now. In Jesus' name, let's say together, amen. Come on, I just want to pray for you. Father God, I pray for each person in this room. God, I thank you for the spirit of breakthrough that is here today. God, we pray that there would be chains broken all over this auditorium where unforgiveness has held people for so long that they would be set free from it in Jesus' name. God, we set them free from bitterness, from hurt, from despair, from the past. God, and we pray that by your spirit, you would come and fill them afresh. God, that you would anoint them. God, and that where the heavens have been like brass, God, that we pray there is an open heaven. God, we thank you that you are with us. You are with us in the best and the worst of times. You are with us as we go through the fire and the flood. God, and we just want to lift your name high. God, continue to help us go from glory to glory. In Jesus' name, amen.